Fed. I want to bring in Stephanie Fick now, uh, first, who's the executive director for uh, the accountability division at Outer, because they have uh, often released reports on um, Parliament as an institution and how they find um, Parliament and the role that Parliament has played. Uh, Stephanie, thank you for making time for us. Good morning. Good morning. It's only a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, so when when I looked at your report um, last year, I think when when you were observing and reflecting on 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 Parliament, you had indicated that it's it's still a failed institution. What did you base that on? What did you find about this institution that suggests it's still failed? So I think it's it's twofold. I think one you must look at the, the administration of Parliament, which speaks to the burning down of the of the building, etc. But I think the most important part of Parliament is the let's call it the political side. The fact that we have, um, you know, as ordinary citizens, repre- representatives in Parliament, MPs that sit there are all supposed to discuss, you know, matters. And most importantly, are supposed to hold the executive to account. And the question is, did they fulfill their constitutional mandate to know, you know, to speak on our behalf and making sure that the, that, you know, the the country, the, the corruption in the country is addressed to the degree that, you know, us as ordinary citizens can feel that sure, they have our backs. And I think the impression we got is that that just didn't happen. And therefore, that Parliament, from that point of view, were not very successful. Yeah. And, I mean, when when you talk about holding the executive accountable, there have been so many examples um, that have demonstrated to us, um, as the public, that government has failed. I mean, the failures of Parliament are not new. On Nkandla, for instance, the Concord found... Parliament failed to hold the executive accountable. Uh, Parliament also failed to look into allegations against Bosasa involving certain members of uh, the executives, which is, you know, where people like Vincent Smith uh, come in, who is now facing a case uh, in court. So, so those failures have always been glaring, Stephanie. But what's going to fix them? Because when you look at our current uh, political system, um, we've got this, you know party discipline, so to speak. Our constitution, mm-hmm. yes, is based on a party list, on a proportional representation system. Uh, but even the state capture report acknowledges that this uh, this party system, this party discipline, yes, it's a legitimate and indispensable feature of a party-based democratic system, but there's often tension between party discipline, you know, the oversight obligation of MPs, and the oath of office that is taken by all of these MPs. That's why sometimes you'll get ANC members just voting in support or against a particular report. Not because fundamentally they believe that's the right thing to do, but because that's what the party has mandated them to do. Exactly. I don't think I could have put it better. It is about, if I can put it bluntly, I sometimes think that political parties need to get over themselves. Um, you know, political parties are there and we can, we can discuss how we elect political parties and we are, we are, we, we are going down to, to, to an election. But I think what political parties need to start realizing is that, um, it's not about them. It is about South Africans and the interests of the South African people and that it is not about, um, you know, deciding things according to party lines. 
but according to what is in the best interest of our beautiful country, of our diverse nation. And if, if we cannot get past this, I actually want to say it doesn't matter who is in power in the seventh parliament, um, that we will be facing with this exact same problem in the seventh parliament. But political parties need to understand that as the people, we will hold them to account and not vote them in again. Not necessarily for, because ideologies are extremely important. What a political party stands for is extremely important. But it seems to, 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 to us that there's a difference. You have ideologies, but the minute you get into, into power, into parliament, you do what you want. You need to empower the people. You need to mm. empower constitutional principles so that we can build a South Africa that's free and fair and that everybody is equal, that we start creating jobs, et cetera, et cetera. We can go on. Um, but, you know, while political, you know, while MPs in Parliament vote according to what their party tell them to do because that's in the best interest of the party and not in the best interest of what South Africa needs, I'm yeah. afraid we will see another failed Parliament. And, and speaking of this conflict between this, you know, party discipline and, of course, the oath of office taken by all MPs, we must always emphasize that, you know, this conflict of, yes, the MPs' oath and affirmation and the party instruction was actually dealt with by uh, the Constitutional Court when it said, yes. in an event of conflict between upholding the constitutional values and, and party loyalty, MPs' oath or affirmation of faithfulness to the republic and obedience to the constitution and laws must take precedence. And unfortunately, that's not what we have seen. Do you think the recommendations of the state capture report are going to help us here get into a place where these MPs do what they are mandated to do and they respect their oath of office? Um, I mean, this, let's say, let's talk about maybe, for instance, a move to constituency-based system um, of proportional representation. Would that have that kind of an advantage? How, how would it help MPs exercise effective oversight without worrying about their parties? Yeah, I think that is an interesting conversation because you know what I'm struggling with? Because in principle, that sounds like a solution to the problem. But if we are going to still see people aligned to, to parties who I think is less about what is good and bad, it is about let's protect. Let's um, make sure that people are not held accountable. I'm not sure that constituency based and proportionality, because we, we need that. We need the, the, the proportionality. Um, you know, whether that will re resolve the problem. Is the question not the, the, you know, the, the type of people that is put forward as MPs? Because, you know, ultimately, if you think about human nature, obviously you have loyalties to your party because that's why you are there. You are part of a party that has, you know, certain ideologies. This is our manifesto, and this is what is important. And, and then you have a job in Parliament in order to hold to account. So I firstly think that we need to think about this idea of ethical leadership, that ethical leadership comes first, and that will, in my mind, mean that if you are ethical leader, ethical MP, that you will be able to manage that possible contradiction between party and what is in the best interest of, of parliament. But yes, in terms of our constitution, if you put your hand up 
as an MP, which you get paid for, and you, you, you know, you, you pledge your allegiance to the Constitution, then unfortunately you have a duty. There's a part of me, it's very easier said than done. But if you are not willing to do that, then don't put up your hand. Because I do believe we have ethical leaders out there that can put up their hands and say, you know what, I will put my, um, my country and my people first, which should be in line with political parties' manifestos, mm. if you really think about it. Yeah. Just lastly, Stephanie, um, and then I'm going to go to, to the calls and WhatsApps. I'm interested in the skills of parliamentarians as well. Have you, has your reporters outer looked um, into that? How skilled our MPs are? Because I believe, I mean, obviously, when you have MPs that are skilled and capacitated, that mm. improves the oversight function of parliament. But if you look at our current political system, sometimes, you know, members of parliament are rewarded for their unethical behavior. You've got some former ministers who were heavily implicated in state capture oh. cases. They lost their ministerial positions, and then, boom, they reappear in parliament um, as, as committee mm-hmm. chairpersons. So it's almost like they're being promoted by their fellow MPs to these powerful uh, positions of committee chairs. Exactly. I mean, it, it's, I want to laugh, but it is, it's a tragedy that you, that you have that. Um, and, and, and it shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. So, you know, put aside... You know, the decision between country and your, and your political party is that you should vote for accountability. You should vote for, you should put up your hand for holding the people to account. But to come back to your, you know, this suggestion about shouldn't we assist parliamentarians? I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, part of the administration of parliament is to make available researchers, um, you know, so that MPs who are in many instances also just ordinary citizens and are expected to know an enormous amount um, is to um, support them in order to um, help them become these ethical, you know, MPs for, for South Africa and its citizens. Um, and so, yes, I, I do agree that I sometimes we forget that MPs are just, you know, ordinary people and that we need to support them. So if they have more support, will we get better decisions? If we pick the right people? Yes, I do think so. I wholeheartedly agree mm. with you. Stephanie Fick, thank you for making time for us. Executive Director for the Accountability Division um, at Auta. They often release these reports where they assess uh, the performance of Parliament over a year.